Hello, everybody, and welcome to Get Lit Minute, your weekly podcast for all things poetic, poetry, and poets. My name is Samuel Curtis, and I'm the head of productions for Get Lit Words Ignite. Get Lit is a nonprofit organization that uses poetry and spoken word to increase literacy and empower young people. Get lit, get literacy, get literate. In this podcast, we focus on the lives, history, and works of classic poets and modern-day contemporary poets. These first few episodes, we've been focusing on classic poets um, who've been a huge inspiration to me personally. But as we continue to move through the series, we're going to start bringing on other hosts who've really got their ear to the ground and are very active in the national lexicon of the modern-day poetry scene and community. So uh, get pumped for that and keep on listening. For now, let's just dive into the episode today, where we'll be focusing on one of my literary heroes, Jack Kerouac. Man, I was so enamored by his life and works that I've hoboed across the country many a time on greyhounds, trains, and had many an adventure while working on my own writings, screenplays, and songs. During those travels, I really wanted to see some of the scenery from his life, and I've stopped by some of his old haunts and homes, including a few places he stayed in in Winter Park, Florida, Berkeley, California, and famously Vesuvio's up in North Beach in San Francisco, just to mention a few. I even had a band for a while called the Freaknicks, which was inspired by the Beatniks, which would be the name of those who were involved in a movement that we'll talk about today that Kerouac would inspire. Jean-Louis Lebret de Kerouac, I think that's how it's pronounced, um, was born on March 12, 1922, to French-Canadian parents in the working-class Little Canada neighborhood of Lowell, Massachusetts, a mill town some 30 miles northwest of Boston. Jack spoke only French until the age of seven, and his French-Canadian heritage, along with the Roman Catholic faith in which he was raised, was a strong influence throughout his life. He studied at Lowell High School, the Horace Mann School in New York City, Columbia University, and the New School. He became famous as Jack Kerouac, author of On the Road, which came out in 1957. And this novel is considered to be a quintessential statement of the 1950s literary movement known as the Beat Generation. So what was this Beat Generation or Beat Movement? I heard a really incredible interview with uh, Jack Kerouac on William F. Buckley Jr.'s Firing Line. And there's this interview in 1968. It's got Jack Kerouac, um, an activist poet named Ed Sanders, and they're talking about the hippie movement. And I'd heard the beat movement, the beat generation, the beat. And I always thought it was like the beat man, like the beat of music. But it's interesting. Um, to Kerouac at this time, he, he really defined the beat as actually coming from the Beatitudes. You know, and beat culture has sometimes been characterized as... Um, people who are drug-addled or sex-crazed. And there were some beats, for sure, who were so inclined, but at its core, the beat movement was actually a spiritual quest. Jack Kerouac once wrote, Beat doesn't mean tired or bushed or beat up so much as it means beato, the Italian for beatific, to be in a state of beatitude, like St. Francis trying to love all life, trying to be utterly sincere with everyone, practicing endurance, kindness, cultivating joy of heart. The question is, how can this be done in our mad modern world of multiplicities and millions? So that's one way to think of the beat movement, the Beatitudes. 
to be beatific, to be like St. Francis. If you're not sure um, what the Beatitudes are, it's sort of inspired by the Sermon of the Mount from the Bible, Um, but dive into it. Um, Check it out if you want to know more, but that was really new to me when I had heard it. I never knew that that's how Kerouac sort of thought of it when he was talking about the beat movement. Um, Growing up, Kerouac was a highly imaginative child who created a private world of racing stables and sports teams. Then he wrote his own newspapers to report on their performances. It was his performance on the high school football team that provided his ticket out of Lowell. He was offered a football scholarship to Columbia University, but New York City was a world away from Lowell. Kerouac had a checkered career at Columbia. A broken leg kept him from playing much football in 1940, and his 1941 season was marked by disagreements with his coach. And also, Kerouac was beginning to feel deeply troubled by the great shift in morals brought about by World War II, and soon would leave Columbia. It is here that he started making friends in New York, and this beat generation was beginning to be born. So, cutting away the amateurs, the opportunists, and the figures whose generational identification was fleeting or less than wholehearted on their own part, the beat generation as a literary school pretty much amounts to Kerouac and his friends, including Neil Cassidy, William Burroughs, and Allen Ginsberg. And I've always liked this idea of these world of characters um, just found in your friends. This idea of a movement that it could be sparked by just a bunch of people who come together who have a unique worldview. And oftentimes some of the biggest movements that have changed the world really did start with just a small group of friends who cared about the same things. Small but influential. Tiny but impactful. Time-defining. And, you know, there's a new film that just came out that's associated here with Get Lit that we helped to produce called Summertime, which will uh, looks like will be coming um, out early this summer in 2020. And I feel like in a lot of ways it's, um, it's uh, reminiscent of uh, a movement of poets. Um, so anyway, it's a little plant, a little plug for a movie Summertime directed by Carlos Lopez Estrada coming to a theater near you. Um... <laughs> A little uh, background on some of his friends. Um, Allen Ginsberg uh, was a 17-year-old Columbia freshman when he and Kerouac first met. The two became like brothers, excitedly discussing their literary and philosophical ideas. Several years older than Kerouac was William Burroughs, and he was a shadowy figure who had worked as an ad man, a detective, an exterminator, and a bartender. He served as Kerouac's tutor and mentor. In New York, Kerouac would also meet the man who would inspire some of his best work, Neil Cassidy. Neil was the motherless son from Denver, Colorado. He had been born in an automobile and was 14 years old when he stole his first car. Cassidy quickly became addicted to the feeling of freedom he experienced behind the wheel. By the time he was 21, he had stolen 500 cars, been arrested 10 times, convicted 6 times, and spent 15 months in jail. 21-year-old Neil swept into Kerouac's life like a Wild West siren singing freedom's kicks in a wild yeah saying overburst of American joy. Jack characterized Neil as 
enthusiastically flying with passions like a holy, primitive, natural man. And he was the embodiment of Jack's American dream. We've got this photo um, in our bathroom, actually, of Jack and Neil, uh, the two of them with their arms around each other's back with a quote from Jack that reads, Live, travel, adventure, bless, and don't be sorry. After finishing his first major work, The Town and the City, in 1950, Jack began to correspond through letters with his friend Cassidy and found an inspiration in this writing style. Um, he described as all first person, fast, mad, confessional, completely serious, and all detailed. Neil's writing read with a spew and rush, without halt, all unified in molten flow. No boring moments, everything significant and interesting, sometimes breathtaking in speed and brilliance. Kerouac decided to model his book about Cassidy on the style of these letters. And so, yeah, you just never know when style or inspiration can take hold in your life. I ask you to look. What is your style about? Um, what is your flow? And uh, who are your inspirations? So instead of revising, Kerak would let the story assume its own shape, allowing details and impressions to accumulate as they do in life. Kerouac sat down in April 1951 to pour out the story of his friendship with Cassidy. In 20 days, he had completed a 175,000-word single-space paragraph that was the first version of On the Road. The sentences were short and tight, clickety-pop word bursts that caught the rhythm of the high-speed road life as no author before him ever had. The book was bursting with energy, with a feeling of life struggling inside a deathly society, energy burning bright before the laws of entropy, and the nation had to catch up. And there's this really cool story. Um, when I was later in high school, maybe 2007, 2008, the scroll came out, this whole story of how he wrote this thing in 20 days. And people originally thought it was like one piece of like teletype paper, but it was actually um, a series of papers that he like taped together and you just wrote the whole book and with all the original names the publishers would later have to change the names um but it's pretty impressive to see how he just wrote in this massive spark of inspiration so check it out you you can actually they republish so you can read the scroll of on the road with all the original names so he called this um spontaneous prose. This was his name for this high-speed writing method he was developing. And at roughly the same time and place, and in response to the same kind of things, there was a world that was at once accelerating and constricting during the 1950s. You had the painter Jackson Pollock and the musician Charlie Parker, who had accomplished um, similar revolutions in their own art forms. And jazz was so huge to me as a young person and still is today. And to me often, yeah, Kerouac's writing really does feel like jazz of the written word. It's improvisational, expressional, lively. Charlie Parker, the bird, as he's often called, um, played with the raw energy of a high-powered line. And it was that stabbing electricity that Jack had attempted to put into On the Road. That mortal sense that the candle must burn furiously, else the times will surely snuff it out. During the time he finished On the Road in 1951, and when it was published in 1957, Kerouac went on an incredibly productive run, producing works directly inspired from his lived experiences. 
He wasn't really famous at all. He had written a major piece of literature, but the world hadn't seen it yet on the road. But he didn't rest on his laurels. He was driven to create, to live. He wasn't so much creating to live, but living to create. His adventures would be the inspiration for much of the writing in his life. And it's this element of Jack's life that has always been one of the defining impetuses of my own artistic endeavors. You know, and if you're having a hard time writing a poem or a story, then maybe start living the poem that you want to write. Maybe start living the adventure you want to read. Um, Then just start writing it down. So I ask you, what's your next adventure? And what story do you want to live? In 1954, Jack found a measure of relief from some of the frustrations of his lack of publishing success. In his study of Buddhist texts, and it doesn't really seem difficult to explain Kerouac's attraction to Buddhism, because he, he, he was often torn between like this paradox of God's seemingly simultaneous presence and absence in the world he saw. So Kerouac could seize with relief on um, Buddhism's annihilation of that paradox. Through his later novels, the author was one of the first people to introduce the concepts of Buddhism to the American public. He would write the Dharma Bums during this period, focusing on his friendship with poet Gary Snyder, who in the novel would become Jaffe Writer. And this is for sure one of my all-time favorite novels. I'd love to make that story and novel into a film one day. And it was this book that actually introduced me to Kerouac's poetry. Kerouac um, is known for his uh, prose and his novels, but he did write a great deal of poetry, and he even to some degree invented his own form of the haiku, which was called the American haiku. And he sort of noticed that the syllabic quality of the Japanese language didn't necessarily or easily translate to American English. So he came up with his own thing. You know, we all learned the haiku when we were in grade school, probably five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables, first line, second line, third line. And Kerouac kind of threw that out the window. And the American haiku is essentially three lines that take from the great haiku form this idea of taking a grand concept and condensing it into its simplest or purest form and so some of his best poems are when he just he's in nature or he kind of notices something from his life and just writes it down in three lines and distills something very poetic beautiful into its simplest form these were collected in a book of poems called book of haikus um, from kerouac's writing letters and notebooks Kerouac always carried a small notebook with him, and many of his poems were written in the margins. Um, I've carried that same practice, and I also have a collection of moleskins and notebooks that I've carried throughout my travels. I'm sure a lot of you poets, I'd be interested to learn, um, maybe respond to us in the comment section. How do you all write poems on the fly, on the go in your life? Um, Do you do it on your phone? Do you keep a little notebook in your pocket or coat pocket? Would love to learn more about how you all create. Um... While Kerouac remained largely anonymous during this time, some of his friends were becoming very well known. In 1952, John Cleland Holmes published an article titled, This is the Beat Generation, using the term Kerouac had offhandedly coined. Holmes would write, On the road is the most beautifully executed, the clearest and most important utterance yet made by the generation Kerouac himself named years ago as Beat, and whose principal avatar he is. Just as, more than any other novel of the 1920s, The Sun Also Rises came to be regarded as the testament of the lost generation, 
So it seems certain that On the Road will come to be known as that of the Beat Generation. There are sections in which the writing is of a beauty almost breathtaking. There is a description of a cross-country automobile ride, fully the equal, for example, of the train ride told by Thomas Wolfe in Of Time and the River. There are details of a trip to Mexico that are by turns awesome, tender, and funny. On the Road is a major novel. So this sort of started to define what the Beat Generation would become to be known throughout the 50s. Jack Kerouac would say of his life's writings, My work comprises one vast book like Proust's Remembrance of Things Past, except that my remembrances are written on the run instead of afterwards in a sickbed. Because of the objections of my early publishers, I was not allowed to use the same names in each work. On the Road, The Subterraneans, The Dharma Bums, Dr. Sachs, Maggie Cassidy, Tristessa, Desolation Angels, and the others are just chapters in the whole work which I call the Deleuze Legend. At my old age, I intend to collect all my work and reinsert my pantheon of uniform names, leave the long shelf full of books there, and die happy. The whole thing forms one enormous comedy, seen through the eyes of poor Tijin Me, otherwise known as Jack Deleuze. The world of raging action and folly, and also of gentle sweetness, seen through the keyhole of his eye. And that's just so fascinating. You know, basically all of his works, all of his writings, he saw them as one story. It's essentially the story of his life. He had this character named Jack Deleuze. But that's fascinating. I, I can't think of many writers who live like that and whose work are defined like that. But that's, to me, just so interesting. He's also the author of the poetry collection Scattered Poems, which was published in 1971 after he passed away, and Mexico City Blues in 1959, among others. So we're going to close out this episode with a shorty poem included in our anthology. The poem is entitled In Vain. This poem was also published after he passed away in Book of Sketches in 2006 by Penguin as part of their Penguin Poet series. Here's a brief description on the book. In 1952 and 1953, as he wandered around America, Jack Kerouac jotted down spontaneous prose poems, or sketches as he called them, on small notebooks that he kept in his shirt pockets. The poems recounts his travels in New York, North Carolina, Lowell, Massachusetts, San Francisco, Denver, Kansas, Mexico, and these observations were on meditations on art and life. The poems are often strung together so that over the course of several of them, a little story or travelogue appears, complete in itself. Published for the first time, Book of Sketches offers a luminous, intimate, and transcendental glimpse of one of the most original voices of the 20th century at a key time in its literary and spiritual development. In Vain by Jack Kerouac The stars in the sky in vain The tragedy of Hamlet in vain The key in the lock in vain The sleeping mother in vain The lamp in the corner in vain The lamp in the corner unlit in vain Abraham Lincoln in vain The Aztec Empire in vain The writing hand in vain the shoe trees in the shoes in vain, the window shade string upon the ham bible in vain, the bear in the woods in vain, the life of Buddha in vain. 
So thank you all so much for listening to another episode of Get Lit Minute. We're so glad that you're tuning in. Please make sure to like, subscribe, comment, share with your friends. This is a great way to get into the poetry world. And we'll be back next Monday. Take it easy.